You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me to Galatians chapter 5. Today we're continuing our study, the book of Galatians, in this series that we've titled Be Free. And if you've missed any of the sermons over the past few weeks in this series, you can always go to our website, check out the podcast. All of the messages are there. Also there in your worship guide this morning is a little study guide that our communications departments put together to help you go deeper into God's Word. So hopefully that's a tool that you can leverage uh, in this coming week to kind of ask some questions to, to dig deeper into what God might have to say to you from the book of Galatians. But as I was, again, looking over this book, kind of looking at the summary of the book, I thought, wow, there's one word, one word that summarizes the whole of the book of of Galatians, and it's this word, it's freedom. Paul is writing to uh, this group of believers in Galatia, a province north of what would have been the nation of Israel at this time, um, writing to them about the freedom, the freedom that they have in Christ. Now, interesting, just this week, as all of you would be aware, we're going to be celebrating freedom in our nation, right? And going back in our history, July the 4th, 1776, our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence, declaring us free from the oppressive rule uh, of uh, the British. And so today we celebrate that freedom. You know, much of what we enjoy as freedom today really points back to that defining moment, that significant event in our history. So we're grateful for the freedom we have in our nation, the freedom that you'll be uh, celebrating this week. But as I was thinking beyond that, I thought, you know, there's even a greater freedom going back some 2,000 years, even a greater freedom that you and I enjoy today. Freedom that's been, that's been made available to us through the provision of Jesus Christ. Through His death, His burial, His resurrection to, uh, to life. Today, we have the privilege of living free. Free uh, from the demands of the law and free living out the wonder of God's grace. Now, Paul addresses this right out, right out the gate. Galatians 5 verse 1. Listen to what he wrote. He says, it's for freedom that Christ Jesus has set you free. Freedom. That's the kind, again, the the big focus of the book. He goes on to say, Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Basically, Paul here is challenging the Galatian believers with a question. Here's the question. Why would you go back to slavery? Why would you go back to living under the rules and the regulations of the law, which you cannot fulfill when Jesus Christ has brought freedom for you? As we discovered last week, Jesus Christ fulfilled the demands of the law for us so we don't have to. That's the good news. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, Matthew 5, 17. He came to fulfill the law. And he did that by, by living a perfect sinless life, the perfect sacrifice. He died in their place that we might be uh, the, the beneficiaries, that we might receive that of the righteousness of Christ in our, in our lives. So today we are the recipients of God's grace, and it's his grace that brings us freedom. You see, Jesus Christ came to do this. He came to reveal the love of God and to provide the way of grace. Reveal the love of God. You want to know what love looks like? Want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. And He came to provide the way of grace that we might be free. That we're free from the demands of the law. That we're free from the penalty of sin. And that we're free to live a life of grace. Now, you might be wondering, with that kind of freedom, why in the world would anyone want to go back to living under the demands of the law. I mean, if, if you've been a slave and you've been set free, like who would want to go back to slavery? 
Yet in this crisis playing out in the early church, we have the Judaizers, we have the Jewish believers who are stirring confusion and creating pressure for the Gentile believers. And here's the big issue. It's not that the Judaizers was bad. At times they were a bit arrogant and they were a bit self-righteous. Oftentimes we label the Judaizers as being bad. And it was not so much the issue of them being bad. Their big question was, if if we don't have the law, then how are people going to know how to act? Without the rules and the regulations, the guidelines, like, I mean, how would we know how to behave as humans? And that was the big question that they were wrestling with. Because for the Judaizers, the law was this. It taught individuals how to act, how to interact, how to deal with problems. What do we eat? What do we not eat? How do we live God-honoring lives? And basically the Judaizers were saying, hey, without the law, it's going to be chaos. Without the law, without the rules, without the guidelines like these, these Gentiles, they're just going to live like a bunch of heathens. So we must have the law so they'll know how to, how to live. Again, their question to Paul was, without the rules, what might it be like? So that's the, that's the tension playing out here. The Judaizers wanted the rules, the law, so that the Gentiles would know how to live their lives in a God-honoring fashion. And Paul was saying, no, we don't need the law to give us guidelines, rules, and um, and issues to help us live out a life of faith that honors God. He says there's a better solution. No longer is it the law, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of the living God who resides in you. But again, that's the tension playing out here. The Judaizers' big question is, is how are they going to know how to live without the law? So let me give you a scenario, if I can, to illustrate this so you can catch the tension here. And I'm I'm just making this scenario up. But let's say, kind of think along with me, let's say that the Department of Transportation issued an order today, and the order was this, that we were no longer going to have any rules, regulations, or guidelines that would direct us to how we were to drive. Think about that. No more stop signs, no more yield signs, no more stop lights, no more speed limits, no rules, no regulations, and no guidelines. The Department of Transportation, again, think with me, the Department of Transportation is thinking because we are such educated individuals and because we have like common sense and common courtesy, we no longer need rules and guidelines to tell us how to drive. Everybody can just do whatever they want on the road. How many of you, how do you think that might work? Not well, right? What would we have? We would have chaos on the road. Talking about accidents, we would be having more accidents than we presently have. And road rage, wow, it would be an all-time high. But we need rules and regulations and guidelines. And get this. Think about this. The road's not the problem. The automobile is not the problem. So what's the problem? Us. You're a horrible driver. (laughs) Right? Problem's not with the car. Can't blame it on the car. You can't blame it on the road. The problem's with us. So what we need rules and regulations and guidelines to help us drive safely, so we can all arrive safely, so we can all be safe on the roads. So relating that back to what's happening here in the book of Galatians, that's what the Judaizers were saying. They were saying, "Wow, without the rules and the regulations, without the law, it's going to be chaos. Chaos in the church." I mean, how could, how could these Gentiles even begin to know how to honor God without rules and regulations and guidelines? And again, the Apostle Paul says, here's the solution. 
The solution is the Holy Spirit. So today as believers, we have the Holy Spirit within us. He resides within us to guide us, to convict us, to correct us, to refine us, to empower us. We have the Holy Spirit within us to help us love God and love others. I've used this analogy before, but let me bring it again, because for me, as I think of the Holy Spirit, this is how I view the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is my coach. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what do you have? You have a personal coach. Let me say it like this. If you're a believer today, a follower of Jesus Christ, you have help. That's the good news. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you have help. Go ahead and tell them, you have help. You're not on your own trying to work this thing, live this thing out, be good enough, follow the laws, follow the rules, follow the regulations. No, you have help. You have a coach. You have, you have the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this question. Thinking back to your elementary school days, you know, that takes some of you back a ways, uh, middle school, high school. How many of you remember playing sports and you had a coach? And probably some good coaches and probably some not so good coaches, right? But in the process, let's think about the good coaches. You had a coach playing ball, maybe it's baseball, football, basketball, uh, soccer, whatever the sport might be. You had a coach. What is the role or what was the role of the coach? To teach? Okay, let's start there. Well, the, the, the coach, if it's a good coach, is teaching you how to play the sport, whatever the sport is. I know when I was young, I had a coach playing baseball, and I was holding the bat wrong, and I couldn't hit the ball, and so the coach taught me how to correctly hold the bat. So a coach teaches. What else does a coach do? I'm sorry? Empowers. So the Holy Spirit empowers you. So think about this. You have greater potential in your life than you're presently living out. So you have greater potential that you can bring to the ball field. Greater potential you can bring to the soccer field. So what does the coach do? The coach empowers you to help you live out greater potential. The potential that's in you. He's just kind of bringing it to the surface. What else does a coach do? I'm sorry. Someone was really loud. Character. So it helps you build character. I would say that I think back to my high school days, one of the great benefits of the coaches I had is they really um, built values. They helped me establish values to develop character uh, in our lives. And so again, the other role of the Holy Spirit, what helps us develop character, Christ-like qualities. What about on this side? So what else does a coach do? Direct you, encourages you. Um, So let's get to that one. Let me work with encourage just for a moment. We'll get to discipline. What encourages you? So a good coach is a coach that affirms, that that helps you see better, think better, feel better about you, adds value to you. That's what a good coach does. Um, Probably you've had the bad coaches. I know when my son was playing baseball, he had a coach that thought the best way to motivate little boys was to yell at them. Uh, which didn't work so well for my son and certainly didn't work, work so well for mom. She uh, let him know that it's not the proper way to motivate young boys. Um, but encourages, and someone else said disciplines. Yeah, a coach, a good coach, what brings discipline that directs us. So all of those would be right. And as you think about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is fully God, who's resident within us, 
The Holy Spirit fulfills all of those roles. Helping us to become more like Christ. Romans 8. We're to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. How do we get there? It's not just about self-effort. The good news is it's not about you just working harder. What we have help, we have the Holy Spirit. So Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. This is a a lengthy text, but as, as I read this, what I want you to look for and listen for, I want you to see how Paul's identifying here the work, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life. And this is about daily living out the faith. How does he help us? How does he coach us? Verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. Notice, but do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. In other words, don't just live for yourself. He goes on to say, rather, serve one another. How? In love. Verse 14. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep, keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit or allow the Spirit to be your guide. And you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, that being the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, those who consistently live in this lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice the transition here, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we notice, live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So Paul's solution for how we're to live God-honoring, God-glorifying lives is by the help of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that resides within every believer to guide us, to help us live out the faith, like in the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays, that helps us address these issues in our lives. It was interesting... Before Jesus went to the cross, he's having some final conversations with the disciples. And one of these is recorded in, in John 16. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. He, he said this to the disciples. He says, it's for your good that I'm leaving. He said, if I leave, I'm, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I've been with you. I've been present with you. But the Holy Spirit's going to be in you reside in you and he goes on to say when he comes speaking of the holy spirit get this he will convict the world of guilt and regard to sin and righteousness and judgment what jesus talked about here in john 16 happened 50 days after the resurrection on the day of pentecost the holy spirit was was poured out the holy spirit was given 
Disciples' lives were transformed. And oftentimes we talk about the power, the dunamis, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. And certainly that's there in Acts chapter 2. But I would submit to you that the empowering of the Holy Spirit is simply one part, one role of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So certainly He empowers us to live out the faith. But in so many more ways, He coaches us. He helps us, again, live out the faith life in a God-honoring way. The commentator Warren Wiersbe summarizes it well with this statement. I have it there in your notes. He says, what God the Father planned for you, what God the Son purchased for you on the cross, God the Spirit personalizes for you and applies to your life as you yield to Him. And that's why Paul makes this statement in in Galatians 5.16. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In other words, Paul's saying we live God-honoring lives not by keeping the law. Listen, we can't keep the law. We don't have the ability to keep the law. He says, no, we live God-honoring lives by the Spirit. Because if, if you try to live by the law, then you're trying to live by human effort. It's all about working harder. It's all about being good. And here's the problem. We've talked about it throughout this series. The problem is, is you can't be good. That's the problem. You can't be good. Maybe you can be good for 60 seconds, but after that, you're in trouble, right? (laughs) It's the same with me. See, if we're we're living under the law, it's about self-effort. But if we're living, if we live by the Spirit, we're depending on the Spirit, not our flesh, not our self, not our human effort to produce the likeness of Christ in our lives. So with it, let me quickly give you three specific roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. And Paul lays them out right here in this text. Three specific roles to help us live God-honoring lives. Because again, Paul's saying we no longer need the law, the rules and the regulations, because we have what? We have God in us. So what does God in us, the Holy Spirit, how does He help us Walk out, live out the faith. The first is this. The Spirit enables us to fulfill the law of love. To fulfill the law of love. If you look back to verse 13, Paul says, But do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. In other words, he's saying don't live for yourself. Don't be self-serving, self-seeking. He says, rather serve one another in love. Or we might say this, let love be your guide. Now, how many of you know at times it can be difficult to love others? Right? Look straight ahead right now. Don't look to your left or right. It'd be difficult to love. Some people are just hard to love. Even some folks that go to Grace Covenant. Now, good for you. Most of them come to the 8 o'clock service. They're not in this service. (laughs) But some folks are just, they're ornery. They're difficult. I mean, I'm just being honest. Even as I'm saying this, you you have images coming into your mind. They're difficult to love. It's hard to love people when they injure you, when they harm you, when they take advantage of you. Yet Jesus says this in John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love others as I have loved you. You must love others as I have loved you. Now think about that. First, think about this. How did Jesus love you? He gave his life for you, right? He put your interest above his own. That's how Jesus loved you. And he says, you must love others. Think about that cousin that you'd rather not see. Think about that uncle. Think about that individual in your workplace. He says, you must love others, which includes everyone. You must love others as I have loved you. How many of you know you can't do that on your own? I'm sorry. 
You can't, you can't get there. So the Holy Spirit helps us live out the law of love. It's also interesting in Matthew 22, about verse 37 and 38, Jesus was asked this question, what's the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus responded by saying, love the Lord your God with, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all of the law is fulfilled in those two commandments of love. Love God, love your neighbor. See, as we live out love, we don't need the law. Because if we truly love, then we don't injure others, right? If we truly love, we don't lie to others. If we truly love, we're looking out for others. If we truly love, we're serving others. So we no longer need the law. What We're living out love by the help of the Holy Spirit. So you have... Again, the third person in the Trinity, you have God in you to help you what? To help you live out, to live out a life of love. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. Overcome the flesh. If you look back to Galatians 5.16, Scripture says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He goes on in verse 17 and 18 to talk about this conflict. Like there's this wrestling match happening. This conflict that we're constantly caught in between a flesh and, and the spirit. He says there's this conflict in that, in that what the spirit desires is, is in conflict to our sinful nature. And what we need to understand today is that when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were 100% saved. Your spirit was one hundred? You listen. Once you're saved, you can't get like more saved. Like I'm more saved than you are. Listen, you can't get more saved. You are one hundred percent, totally. Your spirit is completely saved. However, your soul is being saved. So you're saved, but yet you're in the process. That's why Paul would say in Ephesians, "Work out your salvation." With fear and trembling. He's not talking about working for salvation. He's talking about working out, walking out salvation with fear and trembling. So you're saved, but you're in the process of being saved. And in that, there's this conflict between your sinful nature, wrong desires, and the things of the Spirit. And Paul says here that it's, if we live by the Spirit, then we can overcome the flesh. In other words, as we live by the Spirit, as we're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, as we're guided by the Spirit, we're able to say no more to the things that are wrong, and yes, more to the things that are right. But there's this refining, there's this transformation happening in our lives, not by human effort, but by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, who convicts, who guides, who directs, who leads us to repentance. And so there's this transformation, there's this refining process, and it's not really about me working harder, it's really about me being submitted to, you being submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So what? We have the Holy Spirit to help us, to enable us to overcome the flesh. So the next time that you're tempted to go down the road of the acts of the human nature, like, are you going to click that button to go back to that site again? And the Holy Spirit's saying, don't do that. Are you going to open that big mouth of yours again and gossip about someone? The Holy Spirit says, don't do that. Keep your mouth shut. Or are you going to tell that lie again? Well, it doesn't seem like a lie. It's just a, and it's a, 
It's a white lie, you know. Well, no, it's still a lie. Are you going to open your mouth again and tell that lie? See, it's the Holy Spirit that, that nudges us, that convicts us, that guides us to make righteous. And the more familiar you become to the guidance of the Spirit, or oftentimes I refer to it as the nudge of the Spirit, the more you can respond, so you're going to find yourself doing right more. You're going to find yourself turning away from that act of the sinful nature. You're going to find yourself turning away from that more and doing that which is right more. Why? Because you, now you're, you, you're, you've come to know the voice of the Spirit. You've come to understand, to respond to the nudge. It's kind of like when my wife calls me on the phone, I don't have to say, like, who's this? Who's calling? And when I hear her voice, I know exactly who it is. It helps me, too, that it comes up on my phone. But, <laughs> but I, I, I wouldn't even have to have that. When I hear her voice, I know who it is. And I think it's the same. The more we live by the Spirit, live by being guided by the Spirit, coming under the leadership of the Spirit, we're able to what? In this wrestling match, and listen, every one of us are in it. You're going to face it before the day's out. You're going to face it on Monday and Tuesday. The wrestling match, sinful nature. It's interesting that Paul talks about this in his own life. Romans chapter 7. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, but let me just summarize this statement. This is what Paul's saying about his own life. He says, the very good things that I want to do, I don't do. The good I want to do, I don't do. And I find myself doing the very things that I didn't want to do. What's the problem? And he says, it's my sinful nature. Oh, wretch man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? He says, only Christ. So you and I have that same struggle. How do we win in the struggle? How do we win the wrestling match? It's by the help of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. Not only that, let's go to the positive side. The Spirit enables us to produce God-glorifying fruit. If you look back to Galatians 5.22, after Paul talks about the, the acts of the sinful nature, we come to verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So it's one thing to overcome the flesh and not do evil things, but it's quite something else to do good things. Listen, negative, negative goodness is not enough in life. There must be the positive qualities as well. So it's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, not only transforming us, but helping us produce good fruit, fruit that honors God, fruit that then is a blessing to others. It's also the work of the Holy Spirit that produces fruit in our lives that gives witness to the presence of Christ in our lives. So as you're out in your neighborhood, as you're in your workplace, as you're in your school, your college, man, as you are led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, the Spirit's producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You know what people are going to say? They're going to say, wow, there's something different about your life. Like, why are you so full of joy? Why are you kind? Why are you good? Man, you seem to be self-controlled. Like, man, if, if that would have happened, I, I would have been giving someone the what for. You know what I'm talking about. So what's different about your life? Your life becomes a witness of Christ because of the presence of the Holy Spirit bringing about Christ's likeness. That's what the fruit of the Spirit, the, the nine fruits of the Spirit. But it's about the likeness of Christ being produced in your life. So there's this natural bearing of fruit. You know, I, I'm a... I'm a part-time farmer, gardener, 
And one of the things I've come to discover is that I cannot force a plant to bear fruit. I, I, I can't force the, t- the tomato plants in my garden to produce tomatoes. It's not like I can talk them into it. Like I'm out there fanning them, keeping them cool, saying, come on, come on, produce some tomatoes. It doesn't work. You know what I've discovered? Is that I can create the right environment for the tomato plants to produce the tomatoes. And it naturally happens. Produce the soil, a little fertilizer, a little water, when I produce the right environment, and the fruit naturally comes about. So it is in our lives. That the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is God, fully God, present in your life, what does He do? He naturally, naturally produces fruit. Like love and joy and peace. Fruit that becomes evident, evident in your lives of, of the presence of Christ. And as the fruit is produced, it's important for us to remember that we do not bear fruit for our own consumption. We bear fruit to be a blessing to others, to feed others, and to, to honor God, to glorify God in and through our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit. You know, several years ago, there was a tragedy that happened. Maybe you'll remember the tragedy. Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania, the date was October the 2nd, 2006. There was a man full of anger, bitterness, rage by the name of Charles Robert who took guns and his rage into a schoolhouse and on that day took the lives of five innocent schoolgirls and seriously injured five other girls. Probably most of you remember the story. It was a, it was a horrible tragedy. Yet in the midst of the tragedy, what was so amazing is how the Amish community, individuals who were followers of Jesus Christ, responded to the tragedy. That very night, the night that these innocent schoolgirls were murdered, a number of individuals from the Amish community showed up at the Roberts' home to comfort the wife in the midst of the reality of what had happened. Giving her forgiveness, extending forgiveness to her as a result of this tragedy. Five days later, when Charles Roberts was buried in a Methodist cemetery, 75 mourners gathered. Over half of the mourners were individuals from the Amish community who were there to love, encourage, support. Interesting, some of the individuals who were there to support and encourage this woman and her children were the very ones just two days earlier had buried their own daughters. Yet they're at the gravesite giving comfort, help, and encouragement to the woman whose husband took the lives of their daughters. As a result of the crisis, if you remember the story, across the nation, individuals were moved. They sent money to support the Amish community throughout this crisis. Interesting, these followers of Christ in this Amish community took a portion of the money that had been given to them and they took it to the Roberts family and said, here, we want you to have this. We don't know what the future holds for you, but here's a point of provision for your family. Like, who does that? Who responds with that kind of generosity and kindness and forgiveness and grace? Let me tell you who does it. Individuals who know Christ as their Savior, who've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. What are they doing? They're living out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. As a result of, again, what the presence 
of the Spirit in our lives. So the good news today, I think for all of us, if you're following Christ, the good news is we have help. We have a coach. Again, we're not on our own trying to, boy, just more effort. I'm going to work harder to be better. I'm going to work harder so I, you know, I follow all the rules and God's honored in my life. And after a while, you figure out, wow, we, we, we can't be good enough. So what do we have? We have the Holy Spirit who resides in us. Again, helping us live out the faith. See, it's the Holy Spirit alone who can give us freedom from sin and self and empower us to live a vibrant faith life. It's the work of the Spirit. So, so here's my, I want to leave you with this today. Here's my challenge to you. Three points of challenge. The first is this, embrace the coaching of the Holy Spirit. Embrace. Paul says it like this, live by the Spirit. So embrace the coaching of the Holy Spirit. If you remember earlier, I said I had a coach in baseball that, that told me how to hold the bat because I was holding it wrong. And, you know, being a young kid who had all the answers, I thought, what does he know? I know how to hold a bat. I've been holding the bat for a long time. I'm going to do it my way. And, and when I did it my way, I couldn't hit the ball. So as I embraced the inside of the coach, I could hit the ball in the same way. I challenge you this morning, embrace the coaching of the Holy Spirit. The second challenge is this, submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Submit to His guidance in your life. Submit to His leadership and that the Holy Spirit might be able to bring about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That, that He might be able to bear that fruit in your life. It happens as we submit to, as we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Guiding us in our lives. Here's the third challenge I want to leave you with. is Celebrate the Holy Spirit for His presence and His work in your life. Celebrate. Now, I've been in the church all my life. Interesting today, I'm 53. Born on Wednesday in church on Sunday as a preacher's kid. We never even talked about whether you were going to go to church or not. We were always in church. I've been in church all my life. And let me tell you an observation that I've made. As, As the church, as the body of Christ, we're really good at worshiping the Father. A God of love, a God of grace, a God of mercy. And certainly we should worship the Father. We're good at worshiping. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who gave his life that we might have. And we should. I'm I'm not taking away from that. We need to worship the Father. We need to worship the Son. But one of the things I've noticed in the church is we don't celebrate the Holy Spirit well. We don't worship the Holy Spirit well. As in the Holy Spirit is fully God, third person of the Trinity. He's fully God residing in you, working in you for your good. So here's my third challenge to you. Worship. Celebrate the work of the Spirit in your life. Bringing yourself to a place that you're submitted to His leadership. Allowing Him, the Holy Spirit, to make you more like Christ. So again, the good news is this morning you have help. You have a coach. You have the Holy Spirit. Where is He? If you're a believer, He's in you. Working for your good. Isn't that good news? Well, Lord, we thank You today for Your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
But I thank you that you didn't save us and just leave us on our own to figure it out. You didn't save us and say, hey, here's a bunch of rules and regulations. Make sure you follow them. Be as good as you can. No, you, you gave us help. You gave us a coach. You gave us one who would reside in us to help us live out the faith, to help us become more like Christ, to bring about this, this amazing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives of love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness. Lord, what I know is our world needs a whole lot more. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, patience, and self-control. So Holy Spirit, this morning, not only do we celebrate you, not only do we honor you in this house, but Holy Spirit, we, we bring ourselves in submission to your leadership. My prayer today, Father God, not only for myself, but for all of my friends here, is that we would become more in tune with, that we would, as Paul said, that we would live by your Spirit, live under the leadership of your Spirit. Certainly, Holy Spirit, you empower, but so much more. You help us just in the day-to-day realities of our lives. Again, my prayer for everyone here today is we would find ourselves, Holy Spirit, coming under your leadership. That we might live our lives in such a way, God, that you are honored. And that we become all that you've called and created us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.